Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Calmed Education Podcast, Let's Talk Hair. My name is Araz. I am your host. I am a fellow hairdresser. I've been in this industry for 20-something years, and this podcast is a tool for me to help this industry. This is an industry that I've been a part of, that I love, that has done so much for me. And so within this podcast, typically up to this point, it has been basically me just sharing things that I have learned along my journey. The fact of the matter is there are a lot of things that I don't know. There are a lot of things that I am not great at. There's a lot of things that are not my area of expertise. And with the audience of listeners of this podcast growing, I wanted to kind of shift gears for a little bit and bring on some of my industry friends who specialize in the things that I don't, because I think it's so important to offer different perspectives and to learn from different people. And so today is no exception. Um, I have a guest on. Uh, her name is Lacey. We met on Instagram. Uh, not that long ago. And I just started watching her work and kind of getting a feel for what she does. And Lacey, guys, is phenomenal at balayage. And if you are anything like me, I, especially early on and even to this day, have struggled with fully understanding the methodology of balayage, of who's a good candidate for balayage and all that stuff. So what I wanted to do today is bring Lacey on. And thank you so much, Lacey, for, for coming on and, and letting me pick your brain. I wanted to bring Lacey on to give you some tips, some perspective, and some real tangible ideas and tools that you can use behind your chair. So I'm going to wrap it up really quickly. I'm going to give it over to Lacey. Lacey, if you can give us just a little bit of background, um, you know, how you got in this industry and how you got to where you are today. So thank you. <laughs> wow. That was a great little intro. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. Um, and thank you so much for having me. So my name is Lacey Worley. I've been a stylist and salon owner for a little over 20 years now. I have been a Balayage artist and Balayage educator for a little over 10 years now. And it is actually what I specialize in. Uh, I, I moved from predominantly doing basic root retouches and haircuts all day long with, you know, foils thrown in there to now I pretty much only do balayage and um, extension work. So that's my, that's my specialty. So I got into the industry doing hair because my mom used to work for a pretty prominent salon owner in my hometown. Um, starting from when I was a really young, young girl, I think I was maybe like, I don't know, eight, nine years old, something like that. Um, and I was just so enthralled by this strong, amazing, financially independent woman. And I wanted to be able to do that. So that's what got me into this career in the first place. Um, so how did I get into balayage? So with balayage, uh, the way that I got kind of introduced to that is that I had already been doing hair for probably about I don't know, 10 years, had opened my own salon. And I was kind of like at a stagnant point where I just felt like I was doing the same thing over and over and over again. I had a successful career, I had a successful salon, um, and most stylists probably would have been happy with that. But I felt like I was living Groundhog Day every day. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I started to hear about um, balayage through um, some of the the educators that I was friends with. And it wasn't very big yet here in the United States, and definitely not in Portland, Indiana. But and it just seemed very interesting to me. So, um, so I took a class, hoping that I would be inspired and that um, it would breathe new life into my everyday. And obviously, that worked. <laughs> Isn't it a funny side note, but like one of the things that I coach and teach and preach is the value of education. And it's not just to learn a new technique. It's not just to learn a formula or a color line. Like what going to a class and taking a really good class can do for your mindset is monumental. And then your confidence builds, and then you change your whole, like the possibility of changing your whole business oh, is yeah. likely from a couple of good classes. Like it's, it's not just about learning a technique. It's the experience of going and expanding your mind and then bringing that into your business and 
what can happen? I mean, you just took a class because you thought it was interesting. And then fast forward 10 years, you're an international balayage educator with uh, Sunlights? Sunlights. Yeah. 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 I mean, I always, I mean, I've always stressed to my students and to um, any of my friends in the industry, like, you can never take too many classes. I mean, classes have gotten me where I am as a stylist, as a salon owner, and as an educator. I mean, especially in today's world of how salons, you know, suites and things like that. Um, I have worked by myself um, in my little room that I'm sitting, you know, here with you in um, for most of my career. So I take classes not only to learn and grow as a stylist, but to be inspired and to be around other stylists, to be around other educators. I mean, it was through, you know, classes that I've met some of the most amazing other stylists and educators. It's how I was introduced to Candy Shaw with Sunlight so that I could, you know, work on the Sunlight's team. It's how I was introduced to Olaplex and now I'm on the Olaplex team. It's how I was introduced to, you know, Magix 10 with my friend Elise Rocks. Um, and now I'm on the Magix team. So, I mean, there's so many pluses to going to classes. It's, it's becoming a better stylist and a better artist, but it's also keeping us inspired. And it's also you know, having that camaraderie with other stylists and with, you know, other, other companies and, you know, learning and growing in so many different ways. Girl, I think it's so poignant what you just said about, you know, I personally very much like you have been in my own space for over 10 years and there's no part of me and, and no shame if you're in a salon and you love it, that's great. There's no part of me that misses working in a salon environment, but I do crave the camaraderie that comes from, socializing in that environment so it's like you get that fix when you do go take a class or you teach a class like connect uh -huh. with other people in our industry and like to those of you who are scared to connect with other people in this industry or who you don't feel like maybe you're not good enough to like it is all bullshit I promise this is one of the friendliest industries that I have found and, Absolutely. right but early on in my career I thought educators were catty and above me and better than me and it's like no it was my mindset and my like how I viewed myself and shrunk myself down that I thought they thought they were better than me but being so much more involved in the industry now it's like oh my gosh and especially now people who are educating people who are teaching like we all really do care about elevating this industry the egos have calmed down a lot and like that soul and essence of helping and teaching that's what's prevalent right now and like you I mean you know this I am absolutely enthralled and obsessed with taking classes and teaching classes I truly think that it transformed me as a colorist and so side note major encouragement from Lacey and me you cannot take too many classes like free classes paid classes online classes there's always something uh -huh. to learn Absolutely. So that was that was a little tangent. So let's go back really quickly because you went from being a stylist, salon owner to now being an educator for multiple brands. So how did that even was it because of social media? Was it like how did you get because it's it's amazing the brands that you work with? Thanks. Um, you know, I get asked that question a lot, and I don't honestly have a solid answer for that. How that how that worked other than to tell, because I mean, when I first became a balayage educator, that was before social media was such a big thing. So, so, you know, I grew as an educator in a kind in a little bit different of a way that you probably would now, because really now you would really grow through social media um, and that kind of thing. I mean, I grew as an educator originally, just honestly, just by taking classes. I mean, I met in classes. That's how I met Candy Shaw was that I, I took a balayage class from her. Um, and it was actually before Sunlights was even, you know, a thing yet. So I, I took a balayage class from her, just connected. And I really liked her. Um, I think she liked me. <laughs> I'm going to assume so if you guys are still working together after all these years. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, she's like, you know, my family. So um, yeah, so I mean, I, that's how I started with Candy and with Sunlights um, is because I took a class with her. Um, with Olaplex, it was, uh, yeah, definitely through social media. I mean, it was, and also, I mean, I'd have to ask you about that with Medics, but I think with Medics, I mean, again, I mean, it was from my friend, Elise Rocks, who I met because she was originally my student. She came and took a private lesson with me. Um, so that's how I met her and she introduced me to, uh, Medics 10. So, I mean, again, if I wasn't out there networking and taking classes and teaching classes, and then also, 
you know, being present on social media, then I wouldn't have had these opportunities that I've had to be on the Sunlight's team and the Olaplex team and the Magic's team. So, you know, I always tell people all the time, um, you know, when I'm teaching classes, a lot of times my stylists, my students will talk to me that they're really intimidated about social media. Um, you know, again, any, I mean, of course I'm going to give Elise Rocks a lot of plugs because she's my best friend, but, <laughs> but um, she kills it with social media. She's amazing at it. But you know what? Not all of us can be that, right? So I usually just tell people, you know, look, you don't have to master it. You just have to actually show up for it. So, I mean, as long as you actually show up. Yeah. So it's okay. funny that you say that because earlier today I did a podcast with Tanya from mm -hmm. Influence PRX and she represents a couple different brands and a couple different distributors and manufacturers in the hair industry. And we were talking about how important it is to, to show up on social media. But like one of the key takeaways was that it's called social media. So like you can't just post and ghost. Like you have to engage. Yeah. And so, like if you don't feel confident going up to an educator in a class, at least show up on social, right? Like engage with your peers, engage with your industry, engage with your community. And it is amazing how many doors can open um, and again, you don't have to do like those TikTok reels and silly dances. Like that's not all there is to social media. It is a social environment. And so it's so important. And just hearing your story about how, yes, you, you built up your, uh, skill set in educating from teaching classes, but then you made all these connections via social media. And so I think so far, the biggest takeaways have been like, take the classes and be, be social. Yeah. Right. Like it's kind of important. Um, so let's talk about balayage because I think I'll be very transparent and say that I don't do a lot of balayage. It's not second nature for me. Like foiling is, I feel like I can foil a head of hair to make it look like balayage, but I'm fascinated by the artistry that comes from painting. And so I'm sure that there are people who are listening to this podcast who are like me, right? Like kind of unsure, on like what are you know the tips and tricks of balayage who is a good candidate I have a good idea but I still always just want to go to foiling because it's second nature but I know the value of stepping outside of my comfort zone and so that's why I'm excited to pick your brain today and I'm not going to say after this episode I'm going to be this master painter but maybe you know with with your insights and what you share uh it'll help myself and I'm sure some of the listeners to want to at least expand and want to maybe start practicing um, mm -hmm. because what to you, let me ask you this, what is the benefit for you of painting versus foiling? Like, is there a reason you choose and favor one over the other besides the fact that obviously you teach, you teach balayage? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I teach balayage because I favored it before I started teaching balayage. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I mean, let's step back for just a second and just say that, you know, look, balayage is the hardest thing I've ever had to learn in this industry. So, um, you know, I always tell stylists, you know, give yourself a little grace in that because balayage is hard. It's really hard. And it honestly is the polar opposite of foil. And so, I mean, I was, known for blonding before um, balayage became a thing. And I was really damn good at foiling. Um, and so then to try to get my clients to switch to something that they'd first of all, never heard of. then mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> right. Um, and then also when they weren't unhappy, they were really happy with their hair. So how do you get a client who it's not that they, you know, like it's easier for stylists now because clients are asking what it is. Yes. And they're almost asking for balayage when they don't need a balayage. They need something else. And it's like, no, no, no. Okay, hold on. Like, Just show me the yeah. look. Balayage is a technique, not the... Te yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Way more yeah. mainstream now. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, nobody was asking for balayage. Nobody even knew what it was. Nobody even heard of it. So, I mean, how was I getting my clients who were happy with what they were doing and had never even heard of, you know, balayage to switch from, you know, from a foil to a balayage? And I, I can't really tell you that in the very beginning that I was epically awesome at that because in the beginning I was just excited as I said earlier to do a new technique but that doesn't mean I was amazing at it I was just a little overly confident <laughs> which is great sometimes you need to fake it to make it right like sometimes yeah. you gotta bring in the confidence and like cultivate it even if it's not really there and then next thing you know you're like wow you're fucking killing it at balayage 
you make it look easy. So, so when you say it's the hardest thing, I'm like, no, you just paint. It looks so easy. And then I go do it. I'm like, talk about some of the most important things with balayage. I mean, that right there is, I mean, even though I didn't list that in my little notes of all the things to talk about that right there is one of the most important things is realizing that it's not just easy. And that if you don't respect the artistry and the education that needs to go into it to be successful at it, you will fail. <laughs> you know, I fail like there but, pictures of like my work 10, eight years ago, balayaging. And I look and I cringe like, Oh, oh my God. Why did I think I knew what I was not one class was taken. I was just like, I can do this. And then I was like, no, 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 I can't. Oh, I mean, like I said, that's what I did in the beginning. And honestly, you know, this could have gone such a different way for me because in the beginning I was like, I got this. I took one class. I know what I'm doing, you know, and I epically failed a lot in the beginning with the clientele who thought I was like, oh my gosh, you know, she's so amazing. Thing, and then I screwed up their hair because I just was like, I'm going to try this fun technique. Um, <laughs> and, and so, I mean, I know, <laughs> I know what that feels like. I know what that's like um, because I did it, obviously. Um, so you really have to, um, you really have to do your work, put your work into it and, and really, really learn it because it is, it is so much harder. So, um, and I forgot, I completely forgot the question you asked me to start with. I think the original question was, why do you choose or favor balayage over foiling? And maybe that can kind of lead into like, who is a good candidate for balayage? Because yeah. I think yeah. early on for me, I was just like, I can paint everybody. And then I realized like, oh no, I can't paint everybody because <laughs> balayage just gives a completely different result. You're going to get a different yeah. kind of lift. You're using a different kind of product. Oh. And I was like, you know, my dark haired Armenian clients that wanted to be blonde, I couldn't really paint them and get them blonde in one session like I could with foils. So why do yeah. you choose balayage over foiling and who's a good candidate for balayage? Okay. So I mean, yeah. So I mean, the main reason why I choose balayage over foil um, is because for me, <laughs> um, it's for me, it's way more creative. It's way more artistic. And I need that mental stimulation in my job. So, um, you know, for a foil with for me, it became very just monotonous work. And I can do that, but I need a challenge. And anybody who's tried balayage knows that balayage is a challenge, which is good for me. Um, and also with my foil clients, I was, you know, I had like maybe five patterns I would work off of and I would do that all day long. Whereas with the balayage, I paint every single one of my clients differently every single time they come in. And for me, I, I enjoy that. I really like that. Um, another huge reason I choose balayage is because it is so much faster. Faster? So it's, for me, yes, <laughs> way I faster. I that because it kind of cut I off mean, Ah, yeah. I mean... Now, in the beginning, when I first started balayaging, it wasn't faster because I was learning and, you know, it took me forever. But for where I'm at right now in my skill set, I mean, I could do three balayages to one person's foil easily because wow. it's just so much faster, you know, where you would have to take, you know, such, you know, finite small sections to, to create a seamless blend with a foil. I can take, you know, a one inch by three inch section and paint and get the same result. So it's so much faster. So, so that's a huge reason why I would choose um, balayage versus foil. Now let's go to the technical side of choosing balayage versus foil. So, you know, let me also tell you just to be completely transparent and honest, um, I have one client that I still foil. So I pretty much balayage everyone, that's but that's awesome. at a different level. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but that's taken some work to get there. So I would definitely not recommend that to somebody who's a little bit newer at balayage. I mean, there's things that I understand that I can do and achieve with certain different types of hair and certain different situations that have taken years for me to get to that, you know, and until I achieved that, I, I wouldn't have chose balayage. Yeah. Um, but so even to me, so my one client that I do foil, it's because of her texture of hair and it's because of her tonality of hair and what her end result is. So for you guys, you know, listening, my general rule of thumb is um, if somebody is wanting to be more than four to five levels 
lighter and stay within a cool family, a cool tone family, I would foil. If I need to go four to five levels lighter and we're okay with some warmth, then I would 100% still choose balayage personally. But, you know, like if I was going to, you know, do your hair, for instance, um, you know, if we were going to try to achieve what you currently are wearing, I would balayage that. Yeah. But if you made that, you know, Lacey, I want to be, you know, in a cool tone, yeah. even neutral tone afterwards. I mean, that would not make sense for me to do at all. I would need the incubation of a foil to be able to get you past that warm stage. That's just, you know, we have to understand that with balayage, the rules of color still apply. Right. So, right. <laughs> um, yeah, learn that lesson the hard way. <laughs> right. And then the other thing is that, so balayage is fast. So balayage is fast, not just when it comes to like time and money and I can make more money in a short amount of time, but also when we are thinking about lift. So there's going to be times that I need low and slow, right? Because I need to break through things. I either need to break through artificial color or, you know, maybe I've got some banding or like I said, maybe I'm trying to get more than four or five levels of lift. I'm trying to stay in a cool tone. The only way you're going to get there is if you go low and slow, which is when I would choose a foil. You right. know, if I, if I don't need to do that, then I would choose balayage. Do you feel like at this point, you know, you've transitioned 99.9% .9 of your clients to balayage <laughs> Are they more of the clients who need maybe two to three, maybe four levels of lift who like the warmth? Like, have you found that because you started balayaging more, your clientele has changed to accommodate the results that are possible with balayage? So I understand that question. However, I would say no. Um, and that's because I had already built a very successful clientele and business before I started balayaging. So I... One of the things that made me so good at balayage is because I didn't have a choice but to learn how to balayage the way my clients were used to being lifted with foil. Oh, got it. Got it. <laughs> so so that's I, not the majority I, of us, guys. <laughs> it's, time. But it's, what, it's what made me good at it. Because again, at the time, you got to remember, like I said, balayage was not a known thing. So the look of that, like diffused, soft, only, you know, natural kind of a look that was not popular when I first started balayaging, you know, it just wasn't. So I had to learn how to mimic a foil. So yeah. I would get super bright light, you know, I had to get that punch of lift. I mean, I really have hardly any clients that I'm only lifting a couple levels. The vast majority of my clients, I'm lifting five levels or more. And although, yes, I do have clients that like some warmth, that is definitely not the majority of my clientele. Definitely not. Got but that's what made me really good at balayage because I had to. Yeah, you literally, because here you are introducing this new technique to a client that's never heard of it. And you're like, it's going to be great. And they're like, but if it's not, so you have to make sure that it is just like the foil, but with the paint, painting it. Yes. Got it. Yeah, I'm just, I will be honest, I am too afraid because I'm so like comfortable with my foiling and I change up my foiling to keep it exciting, but I get where you're coming from. Where like it becomes, repetition becomes redundant, which leads to burnout yeah. very, very quickly. And so I think there's a lot of people who clearly are a good candidate. It's just a matter of identifying, okay, what is like, where are they starting? Where are they wanting to go? And what's possible with the skill set that you have currently? That doesn't mean that you can't build on that skill set and master it, but likely taking a natural level two to a nine with balayage when you just started is probably not a good idea. Would you agree? No, 100% not a good idea. Another <laughs> thing, oftentimes stylists kind of forget <laughs> is that um we can practice and play on mannequins you guys <laughs> like Seriously. you know if if you know if I were to open all of my um my doors in here so anybody who's been to a class with me here in my salon knows that if you open a door I'm gonna have um <laughs> we call it the stake ahead so I have mannequins lined up on the back of all of my doors in my salon and that's because yes even though I've been a stylist and a salon owner and a balayage you know artist and educator for a very very long time I am still constantly practicing and playing on mannequins and that is one to not only grow as a stylist, but it's also to grow my confidence. So, you know, I wasn't going to try to like figure it out on a client. Well, I mean, I did in the, oh, some no, you so I <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So then what I did was, you know, at the time my girls were, I had, my girls were really little, so two little kids at home. And, and so what I would do is, you know, at night when they were either in bed or maybe when they were watching TV or whatever, I would break out a mannequin and I would paint her because then, you know, I could work out those little issues and those tweaks and, you know, things and not be worried about, you know, Sally getting really mad at me, <laughs> you and know, please listen to, to you guys that are listening right now. At this point, she had been over 10 years into her career. Yeah. So I find a lot of times where I meet stylists who have been in the game for 10 plus years, scoff at swatching or scoff at testing on a mannequin. They just take the class and do it on a client. And like, if I could give any unsolicited advice, it's like, please do not ever be above practicing your skill set on a mannequin. Yes, we did that in beauty school, but like there was a reason. And so same with you, Lacey, when my clients get shampooed and they look up, there is a sea of mannequins on the top of my cabinets. Like, (laughs) they're like, it's creepy. I'm like, but I need it. I practice. Um, even a couple months ago, I saw something on, um, Oh God, I think it was like TikToker. I'm like, I want to try that. And it was like an epic fail. I'm like, no, I need to take the class. But I still tried it on a mannequin when I had a break in my day. So no matter how long you've been in this industry, I think when you talk to, and I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of successful stylists, one of the the common themes is to educate, continue to educate yourself and continue to hone in on your skill set. The minute that you are coasting and that you are comfortable is the minute where your career will begin to decline. I've seen it, right? Have you seen it? Like, oh my gosh, as soon as we get into our ego, we are going to start the process of failing. I mean, Candy um, Shaw, you know, she, one of the things that she always says is that if you're not growing, you're dying. And that is so true. I mean, as soon as you think you, uh, you, you don't need to learn anything, (laughs) You won't learn anything. <laughs> I learned something in a class I took about eight years ago, and it stuck with me. And it was this idea of there is only growth and decay. So yep. you are either growing or you are decaying. There is no chilling. There uh, is no coasting. I'm good. Like there isn't. So you're either growing, and if you're not growing, you are decaying. And Absolutely. You find that your clientele will start to dwindle or you're not getting as many new clients or you're not, you're getting into that state of like overwhelm and burnout. And so how do you keep yourself growing? That is practicing on doll heads. That is taking clients. That is picking the brains of other hairdressers in the industry, of other educators, of whatever it is. Like to, the quest for constantly growing is so important in our career if you want to sustain a successful career i've Absolutely. seen too many hairdressers hit six figures and well above and not change anything and within a couple of years their clientele goes to shit oh right? absolutely 100%. we've seen it like look at lacy has been in the industry for over 20 years i've been in the industry like i have seen it so many times and i don't want you to think that you are immune to that it is a recipe. You stop growing, you will fail. And so, you know, with balayage, that is a way to train your brain to do something new, to do something different. It's activating different parts of your brain and you're trying and you're failing and you're trying, and you're failing. And then one point you become successful at it. And now you're a clean balayage artist like Lacey. <laughs> so consistency is key is what I'm getting here. Yeah, it is key. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I still practice all the time. And it is so much easier to um, to practice and learn and grow um, if you're not super anxious and super nervous. And so I balayage is not something that I would suggest you go at without education and classes. And it's yeah. also not something I would suggest you just jump into on a client because you'll feel frustrated and defeated and and then you'll quit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And like I did. And I just go resort to my foiling because I'm like, F this, it's easier. But I didn't invest time in taking classes. Yeah. Right. Like that was my mistake. And I'm very, very big on education, but I just never prioritized it. And I just went back to my my comfort zone. So like the, all that to say, like none of us are perfect. We all have our flaws and that's OK. It's fine. It's just how are we going to get past and continue to grow? So this is a tall order. But I wonder, do you have a few like 
tips or like no, like you must do this or just some tools to help open our minds to taking on the idea of balayaging more (laughs) some things that maybe we didn't consider like, like five tips on balayage, like something that is usable. (laughs) And I know it's a big order because you have hour long, (laughs) hours long classes on this, but just to get our brains kind of like open the idea. Yeah. I'll give you my top five tips. I mean, like you said, I mean, I literally teach. So my private lessons are 13 hours sometimes. And, you know, when I teach, you know, when I teach big classes, I mean, it's usually a minimum of, you know, six to eight hours because balayage, you know, it's, it's no joke. Right. So you guys aren't going to leave this episode and be like, I am a master balayage artist. So the goal here is to really fire to try and not to go. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So some of my, you know, top five would be, so first of all, you have to know and understand your canvas and that's for so many reasons. So that's for the obvious of understanding what we already talked about. So, you know, what are, what are, where are you starting and what are you trying to end up with? And, you know, and understand that, you know, the rules of color still work and apply. Right. So if I'm, you know, starting with somebody who's, a level two and wanting to be a cool, you know, blonde, then I would not balayage them. Not, that's not going to make any sense for me to do that. So that's the first part with knowing your canvas. But the other thing with balayage that's very different from a foil is that you really have to saturate according to your canvas. um, And you also have to choose your tools according to your canvas. So for instance, with really thick, dense hair, I am going to saturate really thick. If I didn't saturate thick, I wouldn't get lipped. Also with thick, dense hair, I'm going to choose a stiff bristled brush. The stiffer the bristle the brush, the more saturation I'm going to get, the more lift I'm going to get. If I choose a wimpy brush, I'm gonna get wimpy lift. Mm. So yeah, so then on the other side of that, if I've got somebody that has really fine hair, then I'm going to use a finer saturation because if I use too thick of a saturation on that fine hair, I'm gonna break the hair. I'm gonna over process it, I'm gonna break it. And then, fine hair, I'm going to choose a fine, soft brush, which is going to give me a fine, soft lift. I would not choose a really stiff, bristled brush with fine hair because one, I'm going to oversaturate and cause breakage, but also with a stiff, bristled brush, I'm sure some of you guys have had this happen. If you have a stiff, bristled brush on fine, thin hair, fine, thin hair sits open. So, you know, when I say sits open, you're going to have like little spaces between you know, the hair, because it's not dense where it sits real compacted, real tight. So with a stiff bristled brush, that's going to give you a heavier saturation. The lightener is going to fall in between those strands. And then you're splotchy and blotchy. <laughs> exactly. I and just so- had such uh, an aha moment right yeah. now. Because like, I hate, I hate it when I would paint fine hair. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what am I doing wrong? And I'm using the brush that these people are using. And it's not, yep. and it's like, oh, shit. There you go. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> There's your little nugget. Yeah. So, you know, so you, again, you have to understand your canvas. So if you have fine hair, you want a fine bristle brush. You have, you know, thick, coarse hair, you want a thick, you know, coarse brush. So, so number one would be knowing your canvas. So number two is knowing your product. That is, I mean, that's epically important because all balayage lighteners, well, all lighteners, period, they were designed to be mixed and utilized in a certain way. And so if you don't mix the way that it was designed to be mixed, and if you don't apply it the way that it was designed to be applied, you're gonna be disappointed with the results. So for instance, I use sunlight. So sunlight's was intended to be mixed very thick and it's intended to be applied very thick. So if I were to just go to a supply house and pick up sunlights and mix it, you know, eyeball it, like how I'm mixing my traditional lightener for foil, it's going to be way too thin. It's going to be way too diluted. So a couple things are going to happen. I will have diluted the strength of that lightener with too much developer because we don't need to go off on this tangent, but powder is <laughs> in the powder. Yes. <laughs> but you can learn this from uh, from Raz's uh, calm education that you know, and also from my classes as well. That your power is in your powder and your um, speed is in your developer. Your developer is for your speed. It's how fast or slow you're going to get there. It is not for the strength of your lift. This so is in the put, lightning process. It's different in hair color, but in lightning, yes, yes it it's is like yes. just time. That's it. Yes. Yes. So if you put too much developer in your lightener, you're just diluting the strength. So you're just going to get to 
really warm, really fast. <laughs> right. And I feel like when you're open air painting, you need as much strength as possible because you're not getting 100%. from the foil. So it's funny because hearing you talk about this, it is so similar in what I teach in the fundamentals in a different context because I'm teaching how to formulate, but it yeah. is know your canvas, know your chemicals, know your laws. Like yeah. all of these fundamentals translate in hair color formulation, in balayage, in haircutting, like all of this is so important that I feel like we just glossed over in cosmetology school and then yeah. Uh, yeah. packed it away in our brain. And we're like, no, I'm just going to do hair. And then it's like, you mess up enough and you're like, oh shit, maybe I should have paid attention. Right. So that's why educators <laughs> like Lacey and myself have these tools for you to help like bring back what's important. So, okay. You said, know your yeah. products, know your bleach. Yeah. Know your products because I mean I can't tell you how many times I will teach a class like at a hair show or whatever in the sunlight's booth and you know we'll have some random person be like oh I tried sunlight's it doesn't lift and I'm like okay well let me show you some pictures to prove that that is not the case <laughs> and how come could to it not house. lift and be such a big brand right like, so that's I'm what like, blows my mind <laughs> right so I mean you know, that obviously tells me that obviously there's something wrong. It's either in your technique or how you're using, you know, but a lot of times what we'll find is that they're not mixing it the way that it needs to be mixed and they're not applying it the way that it needs to be applied. It's not that the lightener doesn't lift. It's that you didn't understand that product and how it works. And that's not just with sunlights, obviously that's with all products. I mean, if you use a product that is not how it's intended to be used, you're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah. So, so that's so it's yeah. important to follow manufacturers <laughs> recommendations. They're there for a reason. Absolutely. They've loads of money to perfect it for a reason. <laughs> so we need to understand that. Um, so number three is with balayage is understanding the difference with saturation with foil and the saturation with balayage. That is a very common mistake that I see when I'm teaching balayage. So when we're foiling, we are saturating the lightener through the hair. When we are balayaging, we are saturating up on top of the hair. So it's a completely different thing. When I'm teaching balayage, I actually speak in terms of doming as opposed to saturating so that people understand the difference because with foil, we're so used to kind of like pushing that lightener into the hair. Well, if you do that with balayage, two things are going to happen. One, you're going to create all these bleeds and splotchy calico messes right? Because you're pushing the hair past or the lightener past the surface, but you're, you're also actually wiping it off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, balayage lighteners need to be domed for saturation. It's the, the lightener itself needs to have enough product to encapsulate, to be able to like, so that the, the clay that's in it can create like a crust to keep it incubated. And if you push that lightener through the hair, then you've deflated that dome or that type of saturation and you're not going to get lift. You're going to get all this splotchiness and you're going to be stuck in some middle tone of warmth. So but saturation again, with oil and saturation. To, what's that? You said something about the bleach and the clay. I've seen a lot of people open air balayage with bleach. That's not a clay based. And that mm -hmm. is just a recipe for disaster, right? Like, well, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> now actually like separating it. I, I mean, I've tried it just for fun and it, yeah. there's no encapsulation that happens. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So is it possible to balayage with a traditional liner? Yes, it is. I mean, I used to before balayage liners came out because again, I started balayaging before, you know, we had access to a lot of balayage liners. Um, however, you will never get the same lift with balayaging without a foil with a traditional lightener as you would with a clay-based lightener because and plus you'd have to be so careful to not get bleeds you know a clay-based balayage lightener um so like sunlight has kaolin clay so a couple things about that one it's it's a just a different consistency so that it can be applied really smoothly it's not gritty at all like if i try to paint with a traditional lightener there's like it's almost like a grit. So you get like skips. Yeah. It's like application. Yeah. Yeah. You get like skips in your application. Also because a traditional lightener is thinner, um, you can kind of melt into the hair and create all this unevenness. And again, I'm not saying it's not possible because there are some amazing stylists out there that do it. However, um, because it's not designed for that, you're going to, you're going to have to really like work at it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You're going to have to really work at that. Um, 
So I, sorry I interrupted a- you. So you can go back to your back to your uh back to your tips that you were sharing. <laughs> no, it's okay. I didn't realize a long time ago and 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 how different a bleach created for balayages versus a bleach that's created. Oh, they are so different. I mean, the biggest thing that I will say about painting with a traditional lightener versus a clay-based lightener is that with a traditional lightener, if you were to open air paint, no foil, it is going to dry out way faster than what a clay-based balayage lightener would because it was designed with that clay to be self-encapsulating to keep it moist and active longer. So it is just not gonna be possible with a traditional lightener to freehand open air balayage to get the same lift that I can get with my Sunlight's clay-based lightener because it's gonna incubate with that clay, so. That makes perfect sense. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) you're welcome. All right, so uh, number four of one of my top five balayage tips is don't be afraid of higher volumes of developer. And that kind of goes back to what we just talked about. So um, when I am foiling, if I'm foiling, I'm gonna go low and slow. So for me personally, when I foil, and I know I just already told you that I only really have one person I foil, but if I'm, if I have a color correction or something like that, that I'm doing with the foil or when I was known for blonding with foil, I really honestly never, almost never went above a 20 volume because I didn't really need to, because again, what we talked about earlier, my power, my strength is in my powder. And so if I know that I need to get super light, I can still with a a 10 volume or a 20 volume get there in a foil because the foil is going to keep that incubated and keep it active. So, you know, I just let it sit on there longer and it'll still get to where it needs to get in a slow, healthy, you know, process. But with balayage, that's completely different because you don't have foil to incubate it. It is self incubating with the clay, but it's, it's completely different (laughs) with, um, with a clay-based balayage, you've really got about a max of 45 minutes to an hour of processing time before it's gonna dry out. So if I were to mix with a 20 volume, I'm probably not going to, unless we were only trying to get a couple levels of lift, obviously, but I'm really probably not gonna get the kind of lift I'm, I'm intending to get in that max of 45 minutes. I just don't have that same incubation processing time. So with balayage, we almost always use 40 or 50 volume. No, it scares a lot of people. The first time I heard that, Lacey, I was like, what the (laughs) fuck? Excuse my language, but I was like, this is insane. I would, because I was always taught like lower volume developers are the higher the volume of the developer, the more damage it causes. But hearing explain the difference makes so much more sense. So it's not like you're incubating with 50 volume under the dryer. Like it's exactly for that because you don't have that much time. Yeah. Sorry, that I just remember. No, some of you. No, and I. Same thing. It was the same thing. And just as a little side note, so I have the, I have on Facebook a free group for um, student stylists uh, called the Hair Form with Lacey Worley. And on there, you can search videos that I've posted and uh, lessons. And one of them that will go way in more depth of what I'm talking about um, that you can search in that forum is why 50 volume. And it's literally, I think, like an hour and a half of why 50 volumes to, to really explain that. All of these resources in the caption of this podcast um, so that you can go click. You can find her Facebook, her website, all of her all of her uh, content. And if you're serious about wanting to learn balayage, I think Lacey is a really great uh, resource. Even if it just watching her technique is a great first step and then moving into possibly taking in-person classes, private classes, like all of it is possible. So I will link that in the caption of this podcast. Thank you for that. Um, so just one more thing on the, on the 50 volume, why, you know, higher volumes that I, I'll touch on, but again, you know, you can, I have full lessons on that that you can follow and watch, but um, so, you know, I talked about a little bit earlier, understanding the difference with saturation. So with balayage, it's more of a dome kind of a saturation because we're building up on the hair, not through the hair. So if we, understand that with saturation, then we can manipulate our saturation to determine the type of lift we're getting. So the higher the dome, which equals more saturation, the longer that lightener is going to be able to incubate for means the more lift I'm going to get. But if I make a smaller dome, so less saturation, it's not going to be able to incubate as long, right? Because it's going to dry out. So that means that I can mix my 50 volume with my sunlights or whatever your balayage lightener is. And I can incubate that at a 10 volume type of saturation, a 20 volume type of saturation, a 30 volume. So, you know, stylists will ask me, well, 
don't you worry about painting onto hair that's already previously lightened with 50 volume? Well, no, because I understand the laws of balayage and saturation. So I would only saturate that at a very low dome. So it's only going to lift to the equivalency like of the 10 volume. volume. Yeah, yeah or, absolutely. So, yeah. And then my number five, and when I wrote this on my notes, I put it in all capital letters because <laughs> it's probably the thing that I feel like I teach to the most as a balayage educator is do not overpaint. <laughs> so, it's the same you know. as like overfoiling. Like yes. you're, you're literally pigeonholing yourself to get rid of dimension, right? Like Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, I, again, I was known for blonding and when I was a foiler, I was known for getting super, super blonde. And I mean, I would put 5 million little foils in there and whatever. And so when I first started polishing, I way overpainted and would try to do the same thing. And then I would shampoo them out, blow dry them. And it, it all looked like a wash and it actually didn't even really look that light. And I'm like, I just painted all of these highlights in there. Well, they all just kind of meshed, you know, it's like, where'd they go? They all just kind of meshed together. So with balayage, I always say, don't be afraid of the dark because it's those dark pieces that you don't paint that makes the part that you do paint stand out and pop and look that much more important. So I'm very intentional with not only what I do paint, but also with what I don't paint. If I really want something to really pop and stand out and look lighter than it is, then I leave dark underneath or behind it. So, you know, with my blondes that... Again, I was, I'm known for blonding. So I have all these clients that are what we call, you know, blondorexic, you know, so people are like, oh, do you paint every stand? Absolutely not. And this very strategic about what I paint and what I leave. So I paint what they see and I leave lots of hair that's going to be underneath it or behind it to make that stand up more. So I always say it's like setting the stage. So the dark that I leave is the stage to set up that blonde for success. So I, most of my clients... I paint in 13 sections and that's it. Wow. And they're, they look blonde. Yeah. They look very blonde. <laughs> it's kind of like, um, if you're, if you're into more foiling, uh, a lot of times people teach that when you do the money piece, right. If you do it like an, in an inverted triangle where their part is, you have to keep that little bit of darkness behind it or you lose the money piece uh -huh. it blends in with the rest. So I think oh, absolutely. similar to that, like you need that depth to make it pop. And if not, it all turns into one color and now you've wasted product and time and it all looks the same. Absolutely. Yeah. My students know me as like the queen of analogy. So one of the things that I always speak to when I'm talking about placement with balayage is that, so like the money piece is like the bride, right? And then you've got these kind of secondary highlights that sit a little bit behind it. That's like, you know, your maid of honor and then you've got your bridal party, but like, you don't want to paint everything like your bride. That'd be like going to a wedding and everybody's wearing white. You wouldn't be able to tell who the, who the, who the bride was. Right. Ooh, I like so it's that analogy. Thing. Yeah. That makes perfect <laughs> sense. That so, I mean, I'm setting the whole thing up, you know, throughout the hair, when I'm thinking about placement, the entire time I'm thinking about what's the most important part of this entire look, which most of the time it's the money piece. So if I overpaint behind it, then I'm actually taking away from the bride. Yeah. And you have just done yourself a disservice. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Oh my gosh, Lacey, I had so many aha moments just in this little 40 minute podcast up 30, however many minutes we've been doing this. Um, <laughs> You know, I think, like I said, in the beginning of this episode, when I started following you and I watched your content and I saw the results, I could tell that you understand the, like, what did you call it? The laws and the artistry of balayage. It's a difference yeah. of just, oh yeah, I paint hair versus like, there is so much strategy behind what you do. And mm -hmm. I feel like you make it look so effortless, but it's nice to hear the human side of it of like, no, you struggled with it for a while too. It wasn't something that you just got right away, but it's like, if Lacey could get from struggling and not getting it to creating beautiful heads of hair with 13 sections painted, like it's very possible for all of us and how important it is to really step outside of our comfort zones. And I feel like you gave way more than I was anticipating, way more than I was <laughs> expecting. I appreciate, I feel like you are a wealth of knowledge and I am super inspired by 
the work that you create and how you teach. Um, I personally, every time I heard you, I've, I've heard you teach or heard you present, I feel like you really do care about this industry. So I think as a, as, as a fellow educator, I appreciate that. Um, sharing your tips and tricks and not gatekeeping everything is so, so, so inspiring. And I think so important. So I just want to say thank you. I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. <laughs> I know you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for everything that you do for all of us in our industry. I mean, you know, the best way for our industry to raise up is to raise up together. Right. So, you know, <laughs> which has been my goal since day one. You know, I'm the only, the only person I'm competing with is the stylist I was yesterday. That's it. And how can we, from what we've learned from our trial and errors, from our mistakes, from our wins, help other people, right? Yeah. Like my, one of my biggest whys is, is a quote from Maya Angelou. And it says, when you learn, teach. And mm -hmm. that was the catalyst for me to even start combed education. Um, and especially in this industry now where we're all, a lot of us are in suites and working solo. It's so important mm -hmm. to be able to teach. And the truth of the matter is what, I, what and how I teach doesn't resonate with everybody. And that's okay. What and yeah. how you teach doesn't resonate with everybody. And that's okay. Like, yeah, I think your people find you. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I always tell stylists, you know, take as many classes as you possibly can for multiple reasons. But one big reason is you have to find the educator that speaks your language. Absolutely. So, you know, and once you find the educator that speaks your language, then that's amazing. But, you know, don't just take one class here and there. You know, you have to find, you know, the, the educator or the class or whatever that speaks your language. Yeah. And as an educator, I know that I can't speak to everybody. And so I speak to who gets me. And that's why we work, right? You speak to who gets yeah. you and that's why you work. And you don't want every hairdresser to take your class. I don't want every hairdresser <laughs> to take my class. Yeah. I really don't. Everybody like, is, yeah. Yeah, I want no. the people who- I always say everybody is, everybody is not for me and I'm not for everybody and that is okay. <laughs> and the same is, is for clients. I don't want every client. Absolutely. I want the clients that vibe with me that trust me, that want, you know. And so it's, it's I think the same thing with finding- the, the different educators, because there are so many incredibly talented educators who are giving so much great information and so much great content and seek them out, find them, uh, engage with them. Don't feel like, I just think we're different now in this industry where yeah. educators are really, we care. Whereas yeah. maybe 20 years ago, it was more of like a hierarchy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, well, so and I think too, one thing that are, yeah. And I think one thing that, our industry and educators have learned as a whole is that um, we, like I said, we grow together, but also I learn so much when I teach. I mean, I always say every single class I've ever taught, I've also learned something from um, when you teach. Yeah. When you teach, it forces you to analyze what you're doing. There's so many times when we're working that we just go through the stages and we don't even realize why we're doing what we're doing. Gosh, we just do it. <laughs> Right? I say it all the time, like we are all on autopilot and sometimes you have to stop and think because you work on autopilot. Yeah. And when you do stop and think, yeah. And when you do stop and think, it, it forces you to kind of analyze what you're doing, which will then make you better at what you're doing. 100%. A hundred percent. Okay, Lacey, I appreciate all of your time. Thank you so much for uh, coming you. on here, sharing your wealth of knowledge. To all of you that are listening, please make sure to read the caption below. I'm linking all of Lacey's stuff, her Facebook, her Instagram, her website. Um, give her a follow. She posts amazing, beautiful content, lots of tips, lots of tricks. Like she gets it. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about Balayash, she's a great, great, great resource. I'm just kind of plugging you in. Um, so with that, <laughs> thank you, Lacey. And for those of you who listened, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, do me a favor. If you are listening to this episode, screenshot it, share it on your stories, tag Lacey, tag me. Let me know that you guys are listening. Um, and that's all I got. Lacey, you got anything? Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, everybody.